Hi, I'm Scott David Chase. Welcome to the For the Love of Film podcast. On this episode, I'm going to talk about four films. Rafiki, Lords of Chaos, Rocket Man, and Booksmart. Um, this week was good. I, I saw two films I really enjoyed and two films that uh, I, I wanted to see but didn't necessarily really enjoy them as much as I was kind of hoping or thought I might. Um, so yeah, I'm going to get right into it. Um, uh, Rafiki was the first movie that I saw, uh, which is a, it's a Kenyan film. Uh, it was interesting. Um, it's, it's a Kenyan film, but it's banned in Kenya, uh, because it is, uh, it is a gay positive film and, um, homosexuality is, uh, against the law in Kenya, or at least to act, uh, out, you know, in a homosexual manner, you know, having a sexual, homosexual activity is punishable by prison there. And, uh, so it was, there's an interesting history. I, you know, I looked into it. I did, I, I literally knew nothing about the film before Bob Scammon, uh, invited me to see it. You know, we hadn't seen a movie together in quite some time and we wanted to see something. And it, this was playing at cinema Salem in Salem, Massachusetts, which is a theater. I, I frequent a lot, but I've also just, I, I was, I used to work in Peabody, Massachusetts one day a week. And that's the, that borders Salem. So was, I was already down there because it's about an hour away from where I live. So I said, yeah, let's do that because I no longer work there. It was the last night that I was working there. You know, I'll certainly, uh, certainly go see stuff in cinema Salem again, because they're, they play a lot of interesting independent films that I wouldn't see theatrically any other time. And, you know, probably wouldn't even know about, uh, uh, but yeah, the, the, the the official ban the official line for why Rafiki was banned in Kenya was uh, it is and this is a quote from the Kenyan Film Classification Board due to its homosexual theme and clear intent to promote lesbianism in Kenya con- contrary to the law um, they they asked the director what um, Wanuri uh, Kahiu and I'm not sure if I'm saying that right but they asked her to change the ending so it wouldn't have such a positive message, and she, of course, refused, so they banned it. Uh, subsequently, she turned around and sued the Kenyan government um, because uh, she wanted the film to be eligible for the Academy Award for Best Foreign Language Film uh, at the 91st Academy Awards, which happened this past February. So, because... You know, Kenya did want to have a film uh, in in the uh, Oscars. Uh, they lifted the ban for one week so that it could play in a single theater in Kenya because the Academy Awards, their, their rule is film has to play for a minimum of seven days in a theater in order to be eligible for an Academy Award, so it got lifted. But unfortunately... The, the film was not selected by the Academy 
for inclusion as Kenya's nominee. So, which kind of surprised me a little bit because this is sort of the underdog story that, as far as like the behind the scenes of the film, that uh, I feel like oftentimes the Motion Picture Academy gets behind. But they didn't, so it was not a nominee. Uh, having said that, uh, the, the, the film itself was a little bit underwhelming, to be honest with you. Um, it's, you know, a story of two politicians' daughters, uh, who are, you know, their ages aren't stated, but it appears that they're in their probably early to mid twenties. Um, the two main characters, uh, are names Kenna and Zeke. And, um, you know, the, the, the two politicians are, are, are rival politicians. They're both, uh, vying for the same seat in, in an upcoming election. So it's sort of a, besides the fact that they're both women and that is against the law in Kenya, it's also frowned upon for them to even be seen together in public. So, um, it's sort of a, sort of a doomed from the start romance, uh, the two leads, Samantha Mugacha and Sheila Munieva, uh, both very, uh, very charismatic. They definitely had real chemistry, and uh, the movie seemed at least half of it was populated by people who had not acted before. But both of them uh, definitely had a great screen chemistry and um, charisma, and you know it was nice to see them. And hopefully, I'll see them in other stuff as well. Um, I, I, you know, neither one of them has has a, a Wikipedia page, and there's very little information on IMDb about both of them. So I don't know how much acting either of them have done. But it was nice to see. But the the story itself is fairly slight, fairly predictable. There is a, you know the for anyone listening, considering watching it, there's a little, I'll, I'll give you a little warning. There is a, 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 a scene of violence. There is a, there is a hate crime, uh, towards the end of it. It's, I've certainly seen worse on film, but that doesn't take away from the fact that it was still shocking, uh, and, uh, you know, upsetting. So bear that in mind if you are considering seeing this, um, like I said, you know, I, I wish I had, I wish the film itself was more captivating than it was because the story behind it, um, was really interesting to me when I, when I read about it. And, um, you know, I, I, there was a lot of interesting choices with the, you know, the, the shots used and the color palette used and it was, it, it it was a really beautiful looking film. So, um, you know, I would certainly be interested in seeing another film uh that the director made. I just um I don't I don't have a need to see this movie again. I'm glad I saw it and you know I always uh if I if I get the opportunity to support, you know, small independent films, I absolutely will go see them in the theater because um, a lot of times it's the only 
time I can see it, but it's also it, it I'm it's putting my money where my mouth is, so to speak, that uh um you know showing studios that do back these that uh you know there is an audience for them and I understand the way the the way uh the way people most people view movies these days, a lot of people wait to stream stuff, but uh yeah, I'm going to put a little pin in that thought and talk about that in a couple movie reviews. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I would give I would give Rafiki a 6 out of 10. It was well made, but uh, ultimately not, not an exceptional film. Uh, the next movie I saw is the first of two musical biographical films I saw this week. Uh, this was, uh, Lords of, Lords of Chaos, um, which is interesting because I'm looking at the Wikipedia page right now and it's, says it's a 2018 horror thriller film. Um, it doesn't actually mention that it's biographical, even though it is. Um, so it's directed by Jonas Ackerland, um, and who kind of made a name for himself directing music videos, particularly really dark music videos, which, um, so... It's the story of the birth of Norwegian black metal, which is a, an extreme form of heavy metal for those not familiar. Um, it's kind of like a cross between thrash metal and really dirty punk rock, but with heavy satanic overtones, uh, you know, anarchic, anarchistic overtones. Um, and, the the scene itself, the music was definitely overshadowed by a lot of the violence and arson and you know racism that was prevalent in the scene. Um, you know, it focuses mainly on uh, the the formation of the of the ma- band Mayhem. Uh, and they're uh, particularly their their guitarist who who formed the band going by the name Euronymous and um, sort of his ideals uh, for being extreme and um, I knew sort of the sort of the uh, I don't want to say high points because it's that it's the opposite of that but the sort of the bullet points for the story of the film, um, having read lots of articles over the years, particularly in heavy metal magazines, sort of about the infamy of this whole scene. But, uh, the, the, the two main people who, who are characters in this are Euronymous and then Varg Vikerns, who, who both real people and, um, sort of the the crimes that they committed, so on and so forth. Uh, if you don't know the story, very, very briefly, because I, I can't imagine that the audience for this film is going to be very wide. Uh, uh, so Euronymous formed Mayhem in the late 80s. Um, I think it was like 87 when they started and went through a lot of lineup changes. Um, eventually got, 
a Swedish vocalist who who used the name Dead, uh, who you know by by everyone's account was incredibly depressed, suicidal. Um, you know he a lot of his behavior was even more extreme than Euronymous's and some of the things that he would he would often cut himself with knives on stage and then spray his own blood on the audience. Um, he would take to the practice of, he, he, he would actually carry, a a dead bird around in a bag and would, you know, instead of huffing gas, like some people would, he would huff the bird, you know, smelling it beforehand to say he was inhaling death and, uh, he would bury his stage clothes in the ground between gigs so that they would start to decay so he would smell like he was rotting and, uh, you know, just an all-around fairly unpleasant guy. Um, but he and Euronymous lived in a house together and uh, at one point when he was, when when Euronymous was out running, running errands, dead, uh, slashed both of his wrists and then cut his jugular vein uh, all with a kitchen knife and then wrote wrote his suicide note uh, and then shot himself in the forehead with with a shotgun and killed himself. So Euronymous discovers him and before calling the authorities he you know photographs his 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 bandmates dead body rearranging some of the items, you know, the knife and the gun to make it quote unquote more, more extreme looking, took photographs, one which eventually ended up on an album cover of Mayhem's. Um, he also invited a lot of their friends over to see the body before calling the authorities and, uh, you know, which fairly deplorable, uh, slash questionable, Behavior, uh, are, you know, around this time, uh, Varg Vikerns appeared on the scene. He was uh, another musician. He he started the one-man project Burzum, uh, uh, but he also became the bass player for the band Mayhem. Uh, you know, they got a new vocalist and uh, continued continued on. As Varg started recording albums as Burzum and releasing them, uh, he, he took a sort of uh, novel approach, I guess is one way to look at it, uh, of promoting these albums instead of paying for advertisements in magazines or whatnot. He started uh, a series of church burnings where he would, he would burn, he burned several churches to the ground in, in Norway. Um, you know, the, the most musicians in this scene were very vocal about their, their hatred of the Christian faith. So they took it to the extreme and were burning churches down. Um, around this time, 
the drummer uh, from the band uh, from the band Emperor, uh, a gentleman who goes by the name Faust, uh, who who is also you know a friend of Euronymous's. Uh, um, one night at a bar encountered a, uh, a gay man who, you know, propositioned him. And so he, he took him to a secluded park and stabbed the man to death. And later when he was, when he was arrested and later convicted of the man's murder, he said he did it because he wanted to see what it felt like to, to kill a person and you know uh, allegedly and there are different accounts of it he had he had told Euronymous he was thinking about what it would feel like to kill someone he was curious about it and then allegedly Euronymous said oh you should so um, I guess Euronymous denied that later after he was arrested but um, and in the film, the, the timeline is a bit off for some of these events, you know, that's changed for, for dramatic purposes in the film. But um, while this is going on, Euronymous and Varg are butting heads as far as who's, who's more extreme and who is more, you know, who is following the, the, the sort of guidelines of this, this scene and, um, uh, long story short, eventually Varg goes to Euronymous's apartment late one night and, and, and stabs him to death. He, uh, stabs him dozens of times and eventually stabbing him in the, in the head, which is what kills him. And Varg eventually is arrested and spends 14 years in prison. Um, what the film doesn't mention is that uh, both Varg and Faust, uh, convicted murderers are now out of prison and are making music in this scene again. It's interesting to me or curious to me that, this is actually in both of their cases seen as, you know, as actually like a, um, sort of a selling point for, for the music still in real life. And neither one of them have expressed any regret or remorse for their actions. You know, they served their time in prison, but they're, they're both, you know, proud of the fact that they've both committed murder. Um, so that's sort of the bullet points of the film. However, the, the tone of the film is all over the place. You can't really tell if, you know, I don't know. It, it feels like Jonas Ackerlin has a bit of disdain for the scene. Um, which is curious because he, he originally was a black metal musician himself before being a film director, but it's never really focuses on the 
extreme nature of the music, it just focuses on the extreme nature of uh, the actions of those that are depicted in the film. And that tone is just, it, 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 it's an odd tone of the film. It's not, you know, it says, at the beginning of the movie, this film is based on truth and lies. It actually says this film is based on truth, lies, and what actually happened. Um, that is widely debated. Um, pretty much everyone who's depicted in the film, who's still alive, uh, objected to the film, had no involvement with it, and the victims' families were also fairly upset that the film was being made, felt it was being exploitative. It's based on a book of the same name, Lords of Chaos. But... Um, yeah, the movie, the movie itself, the effects, the practical effects that are in it, as far as when the violent crimes happen, are are very realistic. You know, it's it, it it's very upsetting to watch. All you know, when when death kills himself, and when both Faust kills a man in the park, and when uh, Varg. Uh, stabs Euronymous to death are all shown in graphic detail and it's incredibly realistic and you know even knowing what was going to happen when I was watching it it was upsetting to watch Um, so you know even that it makes it really tough to recommend but even fans of you know horror films I, I can't really recommend this film. The the pacing of the the film is is just bizarre and at times very slow and boring. It's you know it's it's not a great film. Uh, you know, uh, my buddy Phil and I were talking about trying to see it in theaters. It was actually it played in Cinema Salem for uh, I think two weeks, but with our schedules. We just couldn't coordinate a time to go see it. And I'm kind of glad I didn't see in the theater. This film I actually uh, saw on home video. And, uh, yeah, it, it was one of those things that uh, when it came out, I ended up buying it, actually. Uh, but after watching it, and I and I sort of had this inclination before I even watched it. I didn't think I was going to want to have it in my collection, but it was, you know, it wasn't on any of the streaming formats and... Uh, or that's not true. No, I, I could have bought it from Amazon to stream, but to buy it would have been thirteen dollars, twelve ninety nine, and so I ended up buying the the uh, Blu-ray. I ended up getting it for ten dollars, and after seeing it, I turned around and sold it on eBay for sixteen dollars. So I actually made a little bit of money uh, off of it. So I felt like that was, you know, I guess worthwhile. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad I had seen it, but it was, uh, it's, it's not a great film and, you know, a fairly big disappointment. Um, it was interesting cause they, you know, as far as like with the church burnings, they meticulously recreated the facade of several of the churches that got burned. So there was a lot of, you know, artistic, uh, work went into the making of this film for something that was ultimately unpleasant and 
boring to watch. Um, yeah, I would give Lords of Chaos, you know, a four out of ten. Just not not a great film. Uh, the next film I saw, I, I actually just watched last night, uh, late night, uh, was Rocket Man, which is the biographical film about Elton John's life. Uh, specifically, it's for you know his uh, like his formative years, obviously, and uh, up through him becoming, you know, having sobriety in the in the early nineties. And this movie, uh, I was sort of tentative about seeing it. I had actually, you know, I'd seen the the initial trailers, I think, were before Bohemian Rhapsody, the Queen biopic that came out last year. And um, uh, this was directed by Dexter Fletcher, who uh, is an actor turned director. He, he previously had directed... Bohemian Rhapsody, but, you know, a lot of people listening to this might say, no, Brian Singer directed that. Well, that is technically true. Uh, Brian Singer's name was the one that appeared on, on screen. Uh, Brian Singer, uh, you know, I, and I talked about this in my review of Bohemian Rhapsody uh, months ago, but um, uh, Brian Singer was fired from the production of Bohemian Rhapsody less than halfway through it uh, because of uh, various behaviors and um, Dexter Fletcher was brought on to finish it and uh, but due to Brian Singer's contract stating that no one else could get credit for directing the film regardless if he was fired or not uh, Dexter Fletcher did not receive credit for Bohemian Rhapsody so um, having said that I I didn't really enjoy Bohemian Rhapsody. I didn't think it was a very good film. I thought Rami Malek's performance as Freddie Mercury was fantastic, and I definitely thought he won, or he deserved to win the Academy Award for Best Actor, which he he did win this year. But uh, overall, I didn't like Bohemian Rhapsody, and I wasn't really looking forward to this film. From the previews, I could tell that it had it, it was going to have a fantastical element. It wasn't... Uh, a straightforward story. Um, it it re- sort of reminded me in tone of film Across the Universe, which came out probably a dozen years ago, which took a lot of the Beatles songs and turned it in sort of a musical story. And um, it looked like it had a very Broadway musical feel to it, which, to be honest, I don't really enjoy Broadway musicals. So I was... Not really looking forward to this movie, but I kind of talked myself into it because I said, look, you saw Bohemian Rhapsody and you're a much bigger fan of Elton John's music and of Elton John himself than of Queen. And you saw the Queen movie in the theater. So why wouldn't you see the Elton John movie? So that's sort of how I talked myself into it. And I'm glad I did because I actually really enjoyed Rocket Man. It took probably the first 20 minutes or so for me to kind of get a grip on the tone because it is, it definitely does have a Broadway musical feel to it. It is not a straight ahead, uh, uh, film narrative the way most of these biographical films are. It was different. Um, you know, all the, all the sort of 
bullet points, the sex, drugs, rock and roll elements are, are there, but the way the film is told, uh, it's it's certainly in a non-linear fashion. It's it's sort of bookended or you know uh, framed in that Elton John is at a um, Alcoholics Anonymous meeting and he's recounting his story to various people there and um, you know goes through his childhood and his his first encounter with lyricist Bernie Taupin who he's worked with for over 50 years now and um, you know his various personal relationships and his his difficulty with both his mother and his father uh, a, a big part of what makes this film work is Taryn Edgerton's uh, Taryn Edgerton's performance as Elton John. Uh, I know he's famous for the Kingsman films, which I've seen neither of them. But I I, I, I don't know if I've actually seen him in anything. But uh, did a great great job. You know, just from physicality alone, he doesn't look that much like Elton John. But he really, you know, conveyed sense of, uh, you know, his showmanship versus his very shy public persona. And, uh, you know, also having, uh, having knowledge, first-hand knowledge of recovery and addiction and how those programs work myself, uh, did a great job depicting someone who was acting out, um, because of, you know, these personal demons. And, uh, yeah, also, um, Jamie Bell did a really good job playing Bernie Taupin. Did a really good job selling their relationship, their friendship that has transcended years, and um, it's sort of a unique working relationship. But, you know, and and, and they, they the film makes no attempts to be in inserting the songs that these guys wrote in the correct chronological order. And they don't even, they don't even insert, uh, you know, 1972, 1976, whatever. They don't throw timelines in there, which some people might find annoying, but I, I actually, uh, I, you know, I found it refreshing because usually when they try and cram in all these facts, uh, they skim over so much. So this, you know, this certainly skims as well, but it's it never attempts to be a uh, all-encompassing, this is what happened in his life. It's more uh, that, you know, there there's a line that was used in the trailer that's also in the film where uh, Elton John's manager says to him, you know, there are moments in a rock star's life who define who he is, which when I heard it in the trailer, I was like, that's a ridiculous line. No one would ever say that in real life. And I don't know if it was said in real life, but in the context of the film, it made sense and more for explaining the overview of the whole film. Uh, it really is what the film is about. And, you know, but the use of the use of Elton John's songs throughout the film, um, refitted so that the, the cast, all sings them, and it, and it isn't just Taryn Edgerton. Uh, 
different lines are sung by different characters, which, you know, it certainly gives it the, 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 the musical quality I was talking about, which I thought I was going to hate, but I, I actually really enjoyed it. Um, and, you know, if not as distinct a voice as Elton John's real voice, Taron Edgerton did have a quite pleasant voice, and I guess, I guess he, you know, has done some singing himself. So, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed Rocket Man. Uh, certainly enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. Uh, I, I'd give Rocket Man a good solid seven. Um, if you're someone who enjoys musicals, you're probably going to like it more than I did. And uh, you know, uh, to to my buddy Greg. Gaskell's point that he's pointing out often is that because he feels like most uh, uh, musical biography films are kind of all the same, which I, I think he has a fair point. I, it's a lot of the same story. Um, while this is a lot more of the same, it, it is interesting how it's done. And, it, you know, uh, so if he's going to see a biographical film, I would recommend this over, say, Certainly over Bohemian Rhapsody, maybe even over Walk the Line, the Johnny Cash story, certainly over Ray. Um, yeah, certainly worth seeing. And then the last film I saw, uh, which I really liked, was Booksmart, which is a directorial debut of Olivia Wilde, known primarily as an actor. But, um, uh, and uh, starring... Uh, 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 Caitlin Deaver and Beanie Feldstein. And in the trailer, it sort of looked like a girl's answer to Superbad. Uh, even down to the fact that uh, Beanie Feldstein is, uh, is, uh, Jonah Hill's sister. Uh, and Caitlin Deaver is most well known to me from the TV show Justified, but, uh, it's basically their two, uh, high school students, they're seniors who have done well their entire high school career, are getting into really good schools, and then they realize on one of the last days of school that all, while they've, you know, had their noses in books their entire high school careers, all the people that have seemingly slacked off and had fun uh, are also going to really good schools, and they realize maybe they've missed out on fun, so they decide to go have uh, a night of fun, go to a party that one of their classmates is having and kind of cut loose to let everyone know that they're fun as well. Um, it wasn't nearly as sort of gross as, you know, it, it, it was made to look in the trailer. Um, it wasn't as quote unquote, as outrageous as super bad. And it's, it's really more of, just as much a drama as it was a comedy, you know, it's, it, the comedy is front loaded in the film and it becomes more of a drama. And it's really about, um, these two young women, their, their, their friendship and the complexity of that. And, you know, as they've, they've clearly been close for a long time and they're going to be going to different schools and their, their difficulty dealing with the separation of that. And, uh, yeah, it was, uh, you know, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I, you know, I, I, I told one of my friends who I, who, who I didn't watch the film with per se, but we were in the theater at the same time. And, 
I told her later that you know it was one of the it was one of the three best films I've seen this year so far, and um, certainly very impressed by Olivia Wilde's uh, job directing the film, and both of the leads were fantastic, but all the young actors were really good, really authentic. Um, You know, my 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 friend who saw it, she didn't like it quite as much as me, but part of it was she said she felt lost with a lot of the humor didn't connect with the characters, but that's, you know, you know, know, she's a couple years older than I am. And there's a lot of the humor that I certainly didn't necessarily understand the references because, you know, the, the actors are supposed to be 18 years old. You know, they're played by people in their early twenties. And, uh, I get being a, being a man in my forties, that I'm just too old to get some of the references, but luckily I have a couple stepsisters who are around that age. And I've, you know, while I don't necessarily get all the jokes, all the references, I've kind of, you know, having spent time with them in their late teens and early twenties, understood some of the, you know, some of their generations, humor and and uh connection so i could sort of see a parallel between that and this film so i was able to look past that and still enjoy the film uh, i had talked earlier about you know supporting small films in the theater and that's sort of yeah and i i was putting a pin in it and coming back to it in this because this movie um while it's getting great reviews people are just not seeing it in theaters um and uh you know it it's an r-rated film it's a comedy and you know unfortunately it's underperforming at the at the box office and part of it is it opened on uh memorial day weekend uh, which typically big budget action films are what do well on Memorial Day weekend, and it's really kind of a smart, small, smart film. But also, the audience for films like this, more and more, are not seeing films in the theater. They're waiting to see it on streaming. Uh, and, you know, I it's very true, just from the few people that I've talked to, my coworkers who are younger than me in their 20s, who know that I saw it, said, oh, that looked interesting. Yeah, I might see it when it comes out, uh, you know, when it's released or whatnot. Um, I said, you know, it doesn't look like a film that I need to see in the theater, which, you know, I can get as angry as I want about it because I do love seeing films in the theater, but, you know, the way they're making movies is changing. So Um, I don't know. I don't know what the budget for this film is. I know right now it's made 12 million, but I can't imagine. My guess is this film probably costs between 20 and 30 million to make. So I don't know. It's probably not going to make its budget back in the theater, but if you're listening to this and you can see book smart still, I highly recommend seeing it and seeing it in a theater too. Um, certainly let the studio that backed it know that films like this are a viable thing as well. But I don't know. Sometimes I feel like with that argument, I'm, uh, I'm sort of preaching to the choir that anyone who, who, who agrees with me with that is already doing it. 
But um, yeah, I really loved Booksmart. I'm planning on seeing it again in the theater this week. Uh, I would give Booksmart an 8 out of 10. Really enjoyed it a lot. Um, Highly recommend it. Uh, Yeah, so those are the films that I saw this week. I appreciate you listening, and I will speak to you again. Thank you.